What does it take to set the scene for fast growth in an e-commerce business? It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. Can you believe we're already, well, by the time you've listen to the whole of this one. We're already a third of the way through our January growth series. We always get a lot of new listeners in January for the growth series. So if that is you, a very warm welcome. You've picked a great time to tune in. Here on the e-commerce master plan podcast, we bring you inspiring stories and examples of retailers and brands who are striving for e-commerce success and doing interesting things on the path to net zero. Every January, we release our January growth series to help you pull together your perfect plan for 2022. We've some cracking guests coming up for you over the nine episodes of the series, and you can already listen to two of the other ones right now. In this episode, though, we're looking at two huge growth trends for 2022. One that we should all be up to speed on, which is the plethora of new niche or niche marketplaces that we can sell on. And the other one is one that's a big underserved consumer segment that might be relevant to your business. We're also talking about how to set your business up to grow fast, the mindset, MVP ideas, so that's minimum viable products, flexibility, raising finance, team, side hustle versus full-time, and how to invest in the right marketing to enable all that growth that you're preparing for. So how did we fit all that into one episode? I have absolutely no idea, but you're going to want to listen right the way to the end to make sure you get it all. Before that though, please do check out our sponsors. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. The subscription market is predicted to grow to nearly $500 billion, that's billion with a B, by 2025. As the fastest growing area in commerce, subscriptions hold tremendous opportunities to build a community of customers who share your values. Recharge powers the growth of thousands of subscription merchants and their communities, turning one-time transactions into long-term customers customer relationships. With subscriptions, merchants are able to experience predictable revenue, increased customer loyalty and higher average order values. Whether you're a direct-to-consumer business or an omnichannel brand, subscriptions strengthen your brand's relationship with your customers and make it easy for consumers to make repeat purchases. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Get started today with the subscription payment solution trusted by over 45 million subscribers worldwide. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash masterplan. And now to introduce today's special guest. Simon Bell is co-founder at Immaculate Vegan, a curated fashion marketplace for consumers who like a lot of style with their ethics. Launched in 2019, Growing Fast has always been part of the plan. And in year two, they've experienced over 300% year-on-year growth. Hello, Simon. Hi, Chloe. It's great to be chatting with you, especially about um, a business as fascinating as Immaculate Vegan. But before we get into why you started that, how did you end up in the world of e-commerce? Well, I'm a poacher turned gamekeeper, actually, because I spent 20 odd years as a client 
um, in, a, in a range of marketing roles. Um, I worked for Unilever for, for, for 12 years and I ended up being sales and marketing director of the Times, Sunday Times newspapers, after which I decided that the world had gone digital and I was still rather analog. Um, and I thought, well, how can I get more digital? So I, I knew these guys that had started an agency um, called Pod One. And I did some consulting for them. And after a couple of months, uh, because they were growing so fast, I said, guys, you need someone to help you run this. Uh, they said, yes, I know. And I volunteered myself for the role. So I became um, MD of, a, um, of, a, of, an, of an agency. Um, and being a marketeer, I thought that agencies should, um, like the brands they advise, also have a single point of difference. They, they should you know, be able to hang their hat on something. So I told the founders that uh, this is what we should do. Um, and they built some early e-commerce websites, which um, were seen to be rather attractive, but not necessarily very robust underneath. But anyway, cut a long story short, I said, this is a growth sector. Let's let's focus on e-commerce. So after a few months of, of, of encouragement, uh, I got <laughs> to come to heel and, and Pod1 then became very focused on e-commerce. It subsequently sold to... Um, Tech Mahindra and, and rechristened itself Born, and now it's it's part of a big enterprise. So you know, I think that was reasonably successful as a as an idea. But yeah, that's how. Um, so I've been doing e-commerce, I guess, for over ten years now. First with Pod One, and then um, with my own agency. Because after Pod One, I um I set up um, Diligent Commerce, which, as the name suggests, is an e-commerce agency, and um, it's kind of been a boutique, um, but but is all about what my background is all about, namely marketing and bringing the brand to life online in an e-commerce context, which is something I think is often overlooked, but actually absolutely fundamental. So from having been a client to then spending 10 years running e-commerce website building agencies for to reduce it to its minimal description, um, and how come you've now decided to co-found an e-commerce store and flip back to being client side, but as master of your own destiny, not as a employee? Well, it was partly by chance, partly by design. I, I, I always thought it'd be great running an e-commerce agency for us to have our own e-commerce website. I thought it would be a really good calling card, but most of all, I thought it would allow the agency to understand the pain that clients go through and to be able to therefore come up with much better solutions. And I, but I never actually did it. But one day, uh, a few years ago, um, this lovely lady walked into my office and said, um, I'd like a website, please, an e-commerce website. And uh, she said, I'm vegan. And I said, well, that's interesting. So I, I've just, I've just turned vegan as well. And she said, well, I, I, I've been blogging and Instagramming about uh, vegan fashion for the last year or year or two. And she had this fabulous Instagram account beautifully curated that showed really nice vegan fashion products, which she had found really hard to find because they are or have been very hard to find. Anyway, she said, look, I, I, I've lots of people have encouraged me to actually start selling these items. And that's what I'd like to do. And I said, well, look, I, I've, I, I'm now vegan and I've been looking for a project, a retail project for some time now. This sounds great. Let's go halves on it. Let's do it together. And that's how we got together and how, how the business war, the, yeah, the, the website was born. Wow. One of those serendipitous moments. It was. Yeah. 
Excellent. So let's let's cover off a few bits about Immaculate Vegan and then let's get into your approach for growth. So where are you in the world and where are you selling your products to? Okay, so we uh, where are we in the world? Well, we're uh, we're based in the UK. Um, we did actually have an office in Shoreditch, but you know, since COVID, we're now working remotely, which actually is quite neat because obviously it's a cost-effective way of doing business. So where are we? We're 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 based in various parts of the UK. Um, we've actually got one employee in Lithuania, uh, as it happens. Um, but it just goes to show that you can run a business as remotely. But yeah, our, our home base is the UK, but we sell products from all around the world to all around the world, which is which is great and 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 very very exciting. And there's nothing better than seeing uh, seeing someone from Tulsa, Oklahoma, buy buy one of your products, or from from Iceland or Australia or Canada or wherever it may be. So we we, yeah, we sell products from around the world to customers all around the world. Very cool. And um, what does the team look like as you've gone through the the growing process? Is it just the two of you still, or has it grown? Well, it has grown, and it and it will inevitably grow further. Um, but as a as a startup, one has to be very very careful, and you know you do an awful lot yourself. Uh, trust me. Um, but yeah, there's, there's two founders, but we've now got two employees full time. Um, but actually we run quite a virtual operation because we've got lots of people working part time for us as well. So we've got a part time, uh, finance manager, um, a guy who does SEO for us, who works part time, a PR manager works part time. And obviously we draw upon the skills of, of, of others. We've got someone helping with content and imagery and, and so on. So I guess there's a hardcore of four, um, but, a, a a broader universe of, of of more than that, but yeah, for sure, as we scale, we'll recruit more people and uh, and add more specific professionals into roles uh, as we go as we go along. So I said we're going to really focus in today on the fascinating approach to growth, or not? As you know, it is fascinating, but more important than that, the, the kind of the clear approach to growth, the clear mindset that I've certainly had the impression you've had from day one. So how pre-launch, how did you set yourself up as a fast growth business? Because just having the idea is kind of step one, working out how you're going to grow it is step two. And it's and the way you've done it, you've not been stumbling into it. So what were the things you worked out before you even put the first product on the website to make sure you'd be able to take that great trajectory? Well, I think, I think the first thing to work out is that you don't know the answer, right? You know, and you need to adopt a, 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 a test and learn approach. So I think the first thing we did was was knowing before we started that we didn't know what the end game was necessarily going to be, but we definitely believed in the opportunity. So we decided to kind of get out there quickly with a minimal viable product uh, and test and learn. So uh, so that's what we so that's what we did, and it's proved to be very very effective. But you know you you, you learn along the way and 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 you pivot if needs be or you you know you change things and that's that's the way to go. I find it. I mean, in some ways, I find it obvious that someone who's run a run a web agency for you know over a decade would go with a minimum viable product. But I also think it's impressive you've resisted the urge to do all the stuff you've always wanted to do on websites in your own website. So was it tricky to hold yourself back to that MVP scenario or was it easy? No, it's a really, really good question. I mean, I, I, so, so Immaculate Vegan is on, is on Shopify 
historically, Diligent Commerce was a Magento specialist, and I was going to go to town on this website. It was going to be the best looking website. It was going to have every bell and whistle. It would be the most fantastic calling card. But I quickly realized particularly because one's own projects tend to take a backseat to paying projects that this might take too long. It would, you know, it could take you know, over a year by which time we might have missed the boat because this is an opportunity that other people will see and grasp. And so I felt that actually, no, we should, we should get out there quick, test and learn. And if needs be, we replatform in the future. But I think that was the right strategy. And um, yeah, and it's allowed us to build a real we've got a strong footprint in the market. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, it's important to be first, uh, than it is necessarily to be, to be the best, right. Which isn't to say we're not the best, but if you spend too long trying aiming for perfection, you can, you can miss the boat. And we've partly skipped over. So I'm going to bring us back to it. Why the business had to be fast growth, because I, I think it, it's, I think in, as we go through 2022, we're going to hear an awful lot about niche or niche marketplaces, and we're going to hear an awful lot more about vegan products. And back in 2019, no one was really talking about that, certainly not in 2018 when you were starting having the conversations about this. So is one of the reasons you wanted to grow fast because of the potential opportunity to be known as the stylish fashion vegan marketplace to become that go-to. Therefore, you had to get scale quickly. Yeah, like I think if you spot a good opportunity, you need to go for it and go for it fast, right? Because uh, otherwise, uh, as I said, someone will take it off your plate. Uh, we all thought it was a really, really strong opportunity, and 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 it is. And we've all seen the growth of vegan food. And you know, if you're if if you're vegan and you're eating vegan food, then necessarily fashion must follow. But actually, we think the biggest opportunity is not vegans. We don't want to be a niche. We actually want to be a much broader church than that. Uh, and everyone's welcome at Immaculate Vegan. For us, vegan is a fantastic stamp of authority for sustainability and ethics, which is a much bigger, um, you know, area than 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 the vegan niche. I think we can do well as a vegan niche regardless, because there's plenty worldwide. But I think there's an awful lot of people who want a little bit of vegan that, you know, that have a meat-free Monday that are predisposed to the idea, even if they're not ready to go wholesale. So if we can, if we can draw upon the, the sustainable crowd, then I think we've got a, a much, much bigger offer on our hands. So uh, that was the other reason for moving fast, because there's a huge amount of activity, obviously, in sustainability as well. But we feel that a lot of the sustainable marketplaces are a bit vague, well-meaning, but what does that mean? Whereas I think, you know, the vegan stamp of approval actually means a lot to a lot of people in a very simple fashion. So, um yeah, a lot of reasons for going for moving fast, but um, yeah, you know, we were excited about the opportunity and we wanted to get on with it. I like the um, point you make about there's a lot of a lot of question mark over what sustainability really means and the things that you're buying. But vegan is vegan is vegan, mm. you know, and we all know that a vegan product is more sustainable all things being equal than a non-vegan product. Therefore, it's kind of the quick one. It's the easy one for, for consumers to get their heads around, I think, in a in a way in which they can trust what they're seeing. Yeah, because it's it's hard to know what is and what isn't sustainable. It's quite a broad church, you know, whereas, you know, vegan is necessarily cruelty-free, you know, and it, and it, it is it's necessarily the most ethical choice 
and therefore it tends to encapsulate sustainability as well. So I think it's a great shorthand for what people are looking for beyond pure vegans. So we've talked about the MVP model for the website. Did you use kind of that MVP model anywhere else in the business to help you use scale fast? Yeah, I mean, and we're still using it. You know, MVP isn't just about the website. It's about your entire cost base. So not having an office, um, having um, sort of, you know, people working for you virtually, not full time, for example, just gradually adding cost as and when it's needed, you know, doing as much as you can yourself before you then recruit. So a lot of the cost base is, is I guess, if you like, a kind of MVP approach um, because it's so easy to get it wrong by loading costs too early. So we've got a very sophisticated uh, and comprehensive uh, P&L where we've literally broken everything down to the nth degree, but it's such an important thing to do. Um, and we are you know, being very prudent as to how and when we incur cost um, and making sure that it, it, you know, it washes its face and there isn't an alternative. Uh, and so far, that's proving to be uh, very effective. So, yeah, it's not just the website. It's pretty much anything and everything you can do. Now, you've being so cost focused, as you just outlined, I think a lot of people would assume you're bootstrapping this project. But that's not the case, is it? To give yourself the best chance of success, you've actually done a financing round. Well, the first year or two or year and a half was bootstrapped. So yeah, I did. You know, we did put our own money into it. Uh, and Anik, my partner, bless her, worked for over a year for nothing, um, whilst I was still getting uh, some income from elsewhere. Um, but yeah, to all intents and purposes, um, we we did bootstrap it. But there's a, there's a limit to how long you can do that because if you do want to scale, you need you need some firepower. So yeah, we we went through the um, you know angel seed funding round, uh, which was interesting and entertaining, but we managed to uh, get the money that we were after. Excellent. And we talked kind of about cost and about the, you know, the fact you've raised this cash to, to grow the business. How have you gone about balancing the marketing activity for the business? Because it's always that that particularly tricky thing with a startup is you've got no data to base your decisions on. Mm. So you have to kind of make your best guess about where you're going to put the money and or the time whatever the resource may be. So how have you how have you balanced the investment in organic activity, by which I mean SEO and organic social and those kind of things for anyone who's wondering what on earth she's talking about. Mm. Uh, I don't mean organic food, I mean <laughs> organic um, marketing methods. Mm. And then the paid in terms of you know, Google ads, Facebook ads or anything else is you're, you're putting cold, hard cash into. Okay, so I'm a big believer in, in, in SEO. I think it's absolutely fundamental. Um, before you can, you know, you, you, can, you can make, well, actually what we did is we, we launched uh, a blog before we launched the transactional website in order to get a footprint in Google's eyes. So we actually started blogging about the stuff that we ended up selling just to, just to get a head start. And we've continued the, SE, the importance of SEO thereafter. So um, I've got a great guy that works for us. I've known for 10 years or so that who's really helped us rank highly for, you know, the categories that we, that we sell. That is uh, an ongoing project, however, you, you know, you have to be constantly fine tuning that. But I, I, you know, we, we rank really highly for the stuff that we sell, but we're going to have to keep going at that because other people are going to muscle in on that. But I mean, that it's not free because obviously I engage him to help me in that endeavor. And we, we do spend a lot of time writing copy and content as well as optimizing the site. But I, I think that was a really, really worthwhile uh, investment. And I would encourage 
anybody starting up to make that their number one marketing priority. So that's preceded the paid marketing, which we are now doing. At first, that was quite difficult to actually get close to paying paying back. And obviously, it improves over time. But we are now spending money on uh, on the usual suspects, Google and, and, and Facebook, uh, and making some headway there as well. It always befuddles me the number of e-commerce businesses that launch on day one with their shop. And they might have owned the URL for like a year, but they've never even put just a holding page on it yeah. with the keywords on it and an email sign up. It's it's just such a simple, simple thing to do mm. that will pay dividends of some level in the future. Yeah, quite. Well, I, th- I think it did. As I say, we, we, we had a blog for several months before we um, launched our website, and that was all about just getting laying the foundations for, for, for being found for what, we, uh, for what we sell. So Simon, I have, to, I have to ask this as you're newly on the journey, but are there any kind of key lessons of things that didn't go quite so well that maybe you wished you'd done differently or not done at all that you'd be happy to share from your first two years of being up and running? Oh, that's a that's a that's a tricky one. Um, look, I, I think I, I, I well, what lessons can be? I think that I think sometimes you can be in a hurry to do too much, uh, and it, you know it, it, it's better just to do do things well one after the other than sort of throw everything at it because if you've got too much going on, it's an awful lot for you to concentrate on. So I think I'd probably add bells and whistles more slowly. Uh, I think that's one thing. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, look, you, you know, you're learning all the time as what as to what works and what what doesn't work. Is there anything we've done very wrong? I'm sure if my partner was here, she'd say, "Oh yeah, this." But I, <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, look, uh, finding the right partners to help you, I think, is really really important. You know, doing your homework before you start. You know, sometimes, as I say, you can be in a rush to do things and you move a little bit too swiftly and a bit more time and thought might be more useful. But, um, yeah, don't be move fast, but don't do too much too soon, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yes. I think one of the worst things you can do when you're in startup territory or fast growth territory is to procrastinate over a decision. Making a decision, whether it turns out to be good or bad, is better than often than sitting on it for a couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, quite. And the flip side of that, of course, what's the thing you're most pleased that you've done over the last couple of years? Look, I'm most pleased we've 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 done it. I mean, it's 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 difficult launching a new business. You know, one of my favourite expressions is fear, feel the fear and 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 do it anyway. You know. Um, a lot of what prevents people from doing things is just is is that it's like the fear of fear of failure. Um, but there's you know, f- without wanting to mix my me- metaphors, you know, fortune favors the favors the brave. So I think probably the most the best thing is actually just doing it, um, even if you you know you learn along the way. So uh, we'll we'll see whether it's a, whether it's been a, whether it's a worthwhile investment in time and money. Uh, my feeling is it will be, but um, I think the best thing is just just doing it. I would advise you not to do it on your own. I think it makes a big, big difference having having a partner, particularly one as good as mine. Um, so that's been a that's been tremendous. But um, yeah, I guess probably the only other just coming back to your previous question is 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 don't don't do two things at once. It's very hard to uh, <laughs> to wear two hats uh, and to give you know both both roles or both jobs the focus that they 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 need. Um, so yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's that that challenge which I think a lot of people have of running um, a, an e-commerce startup whilst doing a full-time job, which is pretty difficult. But it's compounded even more if you end up being the boss of two things that have very different business models. I think that becomes incredibly draining, even if the time is easy to manage, the brain space isn't. Yeah. So um, it's common knowledge now, but I've actually now sold Diligent Commerce to another agency. So it is now wholly owned by LogicSpot, um, which is a great uh, partner for, for Diligent because they're very complimentary. But that was done primarily so I could free up more time to focus on Immaculate Vegan exciting times in that case then um what what have you what are you most excited about coming up in or what should we watch out for um given you're now kind of going full time on immaculate vegan in the in the coming year well i'm not full time yet but i i i uh, that would be that would be great when i am um what to look out for uh look um what can i say just just more more wonderful products more categories, more marketing, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, and I think a lot more interest and focus in this in this space. I think people are getting, you know, COP26 and all that, more and more focused on the environment. Uh, and I think, you know, I think it's going to be a one-way one way traffic. So what's, I don't know, I think it's all going to, I think it's all going to happen. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Are you an FBA seller? Then you should try out DataHawk, the next-gen e-commerce acceleration platform for Amazon and Walmart sellers. Use their robust analytics to boost your FBA sales, including easy-to-use analysis of SEO, product intelligence, including margin optimization and ad efficiency. You can even map your competitive landscape. If there's a stat, recent or historical you're after, they've almost certainly got it. As Angela Farmer, e-commerce manager at Hero Pet Brands, put it. This is the most robust and cost-effective Amazon analytics tool I've come across, and I've used multiple in the past. Try the number one FBA seller software and e-commerce analytics platform for sellers, vendors, and agencies for 14 days free and unlimited trial. Go to datahawk.co forward slash masterplan. That's D-A-T-A-H-A-W-K dot C-O slash masterplan to start your free account. Zen.com is an international fintech company on a mission to provide entrepreneurs with peace of mind in managing their money and purchasing transactions. Zen guarantee you won't find a better payment processing fees offer anywhere. And if you do, they'll match them. To access their great transaction fees, there's a low 25 euro monthly subscription, which also gets you a whole range of other benefits. Free currency exchange, easy integration with e-commerce platforms, online banking with a free Zen bank account that's linked to your payment gateway. If payment fees, exchange rates and delays are a thorn in your side, you should check out Zen and... Use code MASTERPLANZEN to save 50 euros by trying out Zen for 60 days with no subscription fee at all. Save money and stay Zen. Check out their latest e-commerce offer at zen.com. That's Z-E-N.com. It's time for the Top Tips Round. Okay, Simon, I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So are you ready for the top tips? Ready as I'll ever be. 
<laughs> okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Uh, yeah, well, I'd have to say the Lean Startup because I've referenced that or referenced that thinking quite a lot in this in this podcast. Um, so that would be that would definitely be top of the list for anyone that's launching a new business. Um, I think there's a lot of learning to be had in there about minimal viable products and testing and learning, and you know, not being afraid to tweak things and move things if if that's if that's necessary. There's a variation on that called the Lean Marketplace, I believe, which is uh, which obviously would be of interest to anyone launching a marketplace. Uh, and rather belatedly, I've just started reading Atomic Habits, <laughs> which uh, which I think has got some. I think it's good for everybody, for anyone at work or life. But I think there's some interesting e-commerce learning in there. I've got to the chapter where he talks about the British Olympic cycling team and how they deployed the aggregation of marginal gains in turning a British cycling from 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 nobodies into world beaters and i think that's very relevant it's all about improving everything just making a marginal change across the board and i i think that's a mantra that's very effective with e-commerce because it's it's rare there's a silver bullet that's going to transform your your fortunes or your conversion rate or whatever but you know if you have them the 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 philosophy of of changing or improving everything albeit marginally then i think the gains can come so i, I think there's a lot to be said for that so yeah that's part of uh, atomic habits excellent a, a, a very interesting look into your psyche with those three recommendations <laughs> there simon which backs up everything else you've been talking about today so nice bit of consistency too okay the traffic top tip which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves uh, well, I have to say it again. SEO doesn't get the press it deserves. I think it's fundamental. You know, let's face it. People don't know who you are, but they are looking for what you sell. So it is absolutely paramount that you're found for what you sell naturally, organically. So SEO is right up there. I think PR is often the unsung hero. It, it's rare that PR, it, it's hard for it to deliver. Um, but I'm convinced that, you know, sooner or later, we're going to get a leg up through PR um, because someone's going to give us a huge, big thumbs up. So I'm looking forward to PR actually delivering the goods. I know it sounds a bit old school, but I think it's an interesting uh, um, sort of bedfellow with with SEO. And of course, you know, backlinks from PR, if they, if, if they can get them, are absolutely, are absolutely key. So yeah, that plus, um, you know, take advantage of all the let's call them free social media marketing opportunities you know instagram of course uh, pinterest works well for us we believe we haven't really gone into tiktok yet but uh, who knows but you know you know use them all and use linkedin as well for for professional purposes so um yeah don't be shy about using social social media and then the tool top tip even maybe a collaboration tool a social media plugin a phone app or just a way of working is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day yes there is it's it's slack um which uh cool little tool which i understand has just been sold for 27 billion to uh oh. I one of the big uh one of the big um media players but um yeah it's we were doing stuff through whatsapp believe it or not when we first started which was kind of suboptimal whereas slack allows you to have lots of channels that you can you know name whatever that particular channel is all about and uh yeah, it's a very effective and efficient way of 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 getting stuff done and assigning things to different people and yeah it, 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 it's a lot more immediate so i, I recommend slack i think 
the most recommended tool on this podcast. Not that I've um, I've actually counted. Anyone who wants to tell me otherwise, please do, but I'm pretty certain must be the most recommended on here by now. Okay. The growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Um, be be patient. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I mean, it, I remember uh, when we when we first started seeing a month sales that were so low that I thought I could make more money selling the big issue on the street corner, um, and you know our, our our targets look, you know, like like a mountain, but you know it, it does come through. Assuming you've got a good idea, of course, and you've done your homework and everything's in place, but it it, it comes. So so be patient would be one of them. Um, I think we've touched on a lot, a lot of the other things that are important to do. Just make sure you've got everything in place and make sure you've got your business model worked out properly. So you're you know, you're spending money commensurate with your likely growth rates. I think that's important. Make sure you've got people who can do things better than you uh, around you. I think that's always a always a good one. You know, pick pick good people because there's always something that you're not great at that someone else is. Um, yeah, I think I think I think that's uh, you know I think that's it. And and be prepared to kind of learn along the way and and you know adapt things and adopt adopt new things. Um, according to what happens in the market. So true. I love the patience angle because I think it is the moment you start getting frustrated and impatient is the moment you start making bad decisions. Yeah. And to get to growth of that kind of scale, you have to make good decisions. Well, Simon, it has been a pleasure catching up with you. Before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Okay. Well, uh, unsurprisingly, we are uh, Immaculate Vegan. So immaculatevegan.com. You can find us at Immaculate Vegan on Instagram. Uh, on Pinterest, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, the usual suspects. Just search for Immaculate Vegan. Perfect. Simon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing so much insight into what it takes to launch and grow fast. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. So thanks for being here. Likewise. And one more thing, I would love to offer all your listeners a 10% discount of anything they buy from Immaculate Vegan. I believe the code is master plan. That's very generous of you. Thank you very much, Simon. And I'm sure uh, many of the listeners will be checking it out because I must admit, prepping for this interview, I lost a good half hour um, looking at the products on Immaculate Vegan. So um, there you go, guys. Use the code MASTERPLAN to get 10% off your order. Well, Simon, thank you so much for being on and being so generous um, to the listeners as well. Thank you, Chloe. It was a pleasure. So there we go. What it takes to create a fast growth startup business. It's about finding that big opportunity, in this case, a sustainable fashion, vegan fashion, creating that MVP, that minimum viable product from the website through to how you spend your money or how you build your team, really thinking lean, I suppose, if we go back to those book recommendations at every stage. So lots of lots of interesting angles there from Simon that hopefully have got you thinking and I think are just as relevant if you're about to try and enter a high growth period in your business as much as if you're in those early startup stages. 
Now you can get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we've mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast, where you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many other things I share to help you improve your business. When you're on the website, you can also add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the many other things I share to help you improve your business. That includes notifications as episodes go live and details of the webinar I will be hosting to round off our January growth series where I'll be sharing my take on where you should be focusing for maximum impact in 2022. Now, the January Growth Series continues on Thursday when we're going to be exploring why you need to understand what stage your business is at to make sure you're focusing on the right areas to avoid bottlenecking your growth. So make sure you've followed or subscribed to us wherever you are listening so you don't miss out on that. And if you can't wait until Thursday, two two of our Growth Series episodes are live right now. That's 363, 364 and of course this one. Um, So please do go back and check those out. And if you'd like to know more about our new focus on both growth and net zero, then have a listen to episode 359. That's 359. Thank you so much for tuning in to the e-commerce master plan podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you listening and I bring you a new interview every episode because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners to succeed and thrive with their business, both to make it more successful and to turn it into a force for good for our planet. If you know someone this show can help, please tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a brilliant week and don't forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. Recharge is the leading subscription management solution helping e-commerce merchants of all sizes launch and scale subscription offerings. Over 15,000 merchants use subscriptions powered by Recharge to grow their business and their communities by increasing average order value, reducing churn and providing predictable recurring revenue. Turn transactions into relationships and experience seamless subscription commerce with Recharge. Check them out at rechargepayments.com forward slash masterplan.